Welcome to Elected, a podcast for women in and around politics on our active accomplices. I'm your host, Sarah Elder Chaminara, and today my guest is Counselor Courtney Penner. Hi, Courtney. Hello, Sarah. Hi. Uh, Today we're going to be talking all things very specific to Calgary and very specific to the issue of housing, um, because there's been a lot going on in the lead up to a very important decision that's going to be made at Calgary City Council this week. And there's been a lot of back and forth online that I've seen. And I think it maybe is escaping the attention of most people because even I've been confused around who's saying what, what does it mean? And what is the decision coming to council really about? And so I wanted to talk to you because I know that you will be able to explain things in a way that everyone understands. Um, And so you represent Ward 11, which is in the southwest of Calgary. But this decision affects everyone in the entire city. Um, it's not specific to any one place. Um, so there you have a council meeting this Thursday. What is on the agenda? Yeah. So we have committee this Thursday. And what is before us is um, it's called Home, Starts, uh, Home is Here. And it's Um, the City of Calgary's updated housing strategy um, with a set of recommendations uh, that talk about how we enable and build more housing, also how we advocate for housing uh, to different orders of government, and how we convene the sectors in housing to have conversations. I think one of the real defining features of this report that we're seeing, previous strategies have always focused on that capital A affordable housing. And this is really broadly about housing affordability, you know, both in that nonprofit affordable housing space, but also in the market space as well. And recognizing that what happens in one puts pressures on the other um, and that there is an interplay. And I and I think it's interesting that you talked about this being, you know, very Calgary specific. This isn't, while this strategy is written with Calgary context in mind, there are principles in here that will apply um, broadly to housing, you know, not just in Calgary, but across Alberta and across the whole country. Um, You know, as we continue to see, you know, record numbers of migration of people not only just moving around our country um, or our continent, but really like globally as, as, as global movement does happen. Yeah. And I mean, in a summer, add on issues of climate change, forest fires, people losing their homes, mass migration from wars, natural disasters, um, bringing in a record number of new Canadians to the country, uh, Mm -hmm. that internal migration. So people moving from province to province. And I think that the the expectation um, is that when you move somewhere, um, whether you're looking to rent, to own or lease, whatever it is, that there is something available to you. And it's not just um, that, but in terms of the housing mix, right? So low-income housing, shelter spaces, um, like it's not just, uh, it's just not, it's not only market housing, but market housing more generally, or housing more generally, which to your point, when there's a pressure in one, it usually just creates pressure in another place. Yeah. Yeah. And we call it the housing continuum Um, and really about, you know, where people at different stages in their life and at different needs in their life um, need housing. I think of barrier free housing, multi-generational housing, student housing. 
Um, you know, there are there are issues that are not addressed here, you know, through this because it's not the purview of the municipal government to say work with universities to build more on campus student housing. That's really the provincial government. Uh, but it absolutely could and should be maybe part of the solution and conversation, which is what really comes out of that advocacy piece. Well, and it's frustrating for me just as a citizen to see, you know, all three, all, all levels of government in some way say, this isn't my problem. This is someone else's problem. Um, like it's, it's, it's everyone, it's everyone's well, problem. And this strategy is the city actually very clearly putting their hand up and saying, we do have a role in the solutions. We recognize that housing is multi-jurisdictional and this is what we can do. This is how we can enable housing. So this is actually the city stepping into and owning the problem as opposed to abdicating further responsibility. Which I am, I am all about owning the issue. And but in owning the issue, you will find people who have disagreements over how to own the issue. And I think that's where we are right now in Calgary. Um, so there are, I think, eighty recommendations total. The one I would say that has generated the most discussion mm -hmm. is one on zoning reform. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the zoning, the recommendation would change the base zoning to RCG, and that would allow for single family homes in addition to duplexes, triplexes, and row homes, mm -hmm. all lovely forms of housing, in my opinion. Um, yeah. that's in contrast to the status quo, which is well, RCG. What part of the city you're in? Okay. So, so I think there are so a couple couple of really important things. The recommendations before committee, um, which will then move forward to a special meeting of council on Saturday, is to start the work on the conversation of, of transitioning to a new base district in established areas. Um, and so that that bylaw doesn't get updated right away. There's you know future consultation with Calgarians. Um, the whole land use bylaw is getting a renewal. Uh, and so there are still other future touch points on that conversation is, again, one of those 80 recommendations. Currently in new and growing areas, there is a total different land use base and it's called RG. It's residential general and it allows those you know, forms, so either single detached, semi-detached or row houses in one district, RG. And so what this recommendation does is actually puts on par established areas with, with new areas to have that same base land use district across all areas. Uh, and we know that, you know, of, of course, in communities where there it's purpose built and planned out, it looks a little different. And as it moves into established areas, um, there are different forms and functions that it does take throughout and depends on the lot size, but really it actually creates a level playing field of development across the city. And why is that important? So it is important for choice in housing. Um, it is important from a tax stability standpoint. It is important from having enough housing stock, um, so enough supply to welcome people in. Um, it keeps communities whole. So most of our established areas have well below peak population. So it allows um, people to be in neighborhoods close to existing services and amenities, so, you know, schools, recreation, parks, 
um, that already exist. And so that creates a more whole and complete community. And it also saves us dollars in the long run. Um, as a city, it, it's very costly to build out and to sprawl. We know that, you know, right now with the housing crisis, we cannot limit housing builds and housing starts on the periphery of our city right now. We we have to accept that that is going to be part of our future um, as we catch up in established areas. But the only way we're going to catch up in established areas is if we create enabling policy that allows development to happen faster um, in a more cost-effective way. Well, and so the I think the well, and the 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 people who are pushing back against this, I mean, um, in my, you know, the term Zimbi, which is yes in my backyard, and the opposite being a NIMBY, a not in my backyard, I think it's being cleverly disguised as a way to push back on this issue without being outright anti-development, which is crazy <laughs> to say, um, because they, they're trying to frame it. They're trying to frame themselves as being pro pro housing. Um, but in, I think the recommendation has found a way to actually move the needle the fastest and in the most clean kind of way rather than um, what was proposed by another city councilor, which was um, not to change the default zoning, but to simply supposedly streamline the process, the zoning process with shorter timelines and incentives that apply to rezoning a develop with a development permit. So, I mean, in the, this makes it very political in some ways, um, because of the positioning of, of people in the language that they use. Um, but do you see, like, is this, if some, how do you, how do you deal with someone who purports or even a resident, let's say a resident who says, I love housing. I want there to be more housing in the city. I just don't want it next to me. What mm -hmm. do you say to them? I always say, you know, like, if not here, then where? And a lot of people can point to a lot of other places where they think they want housing. Um, you know, they say, well, next to the transit station and next to the this. And I said, and, and, it, and those are all very good places. But I think we have to remember that each individual parcel has the, the right to zone or not. So even if the baseland use district changes, People don't have to do anything with it. They can leave it as is. But for those who want that change on their property, um, they can make that change. And I and again, we can't force anyone. So just as we can't force parcels adjacent to a you know empty parcels adjacent to an LRT station to redevelop, we can't force anyone to redevelop you know their parcel as well. Um, and so it's it's this push pull between allowing people to make that decision and making it easier for them to make it based on what works for them um, versus, you know, what we hear from communities about not wanting change. Our city has always evolved and it will always continue to evolve. And I think the conversation that we're guiding is, you know, what can we, the city, do to enable a kind of change that allows for affordability, that allows for people to move into the city, that allows us to retain our advantage that we have other over other municipalities across the country um, in terms of um, affordability. We know that the gap, the wide, the gap is widening and not just in Calgary, but anywhere, but in, in affordability. 
Um, and, and I would say, and, and I don't want to pick on people, but those who are often most opposed to the rezoning changes um, are often in, in market areas where that rezoning wouldn't happen anyways by way of the initial cost to invest. You know, if your home value is, you know, $2.5 million or even $1.6 million, um, the chances of redevelopment happening in your neighborhood are very, very low, um, you know, versus those, you know, median home prices that we see around the $530,000 you know, mark. So there needs to also be just a, a, um, the sort of acknowledgement about where the market is going to put pressures and where it isn't. Well, I mean, I live um, in Ward 4. And currently, like at this very moment, there's construction happening on either side of our home. Um, two much older single family homes have come down and in their place, um, two infills. So two different homes are each being built um, on the two different parcels. And, you know, I, I'm excited that there might be two more families living in our neighborhood, maybe that young have young children that can play with my kids, right? Um, on either side of us, because I think that's the kind of, you know, we don't, we don't, we live about 15 minutes outside of downtown, which is, we're just outside of the ring of what's considered the inner city. But to me, that's like what will make, um, that's the kind of community that I want to live in. Um, that has varied housing, that is multi-generational. So there are still a lot of older residents that live around us. Um, but, you know, in terms of sustainability, there need to be new families moving in. Um, kids that will go to our schools to keep them open. Kids that will go to the playgrounds. Kids that will go to the outdoor pool that's with uh, that's really close to us. Like the signs of a healthy and thriving community, to me, aren't everyone inside their house. I mean, with the exception of the six months of the year that it's kind of impossible um, that, you know, that there are signs of life and that there are kids playing and, you know, people talking and, you know, little libraries. And and this to me feeds into that. Um, and to say no to the change to the recommendation is to say, yeah, I'm OK without without all of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, if we're if we're really just you know, focusing in on sort of this, you know, the one right out of the 80 things that can make a difference. Um, you're missing the point of the whole strategy. The point of the whole strategy is for all things to work in tandem with each other um, to create that continuum of housing affordability. And so RCG, you know, as we look at it as a form, you know, creates a lot of different opportunities for people of different ages and stages. I would argue that we need to go a little further and we need to rethink, you know, how those forms get built and we can work towards that. Um, but I would say the community character is really about the people in your community, not about the houses, right? Community character is when people come together, when they celebrate together, um, you know, the initiatives and the opportunities that come through gatherings and events. Um, and festivals, that is really what creates, you know, a character of a community, you know, who frequents the coffee shop and on what basis, you know, can your local stores thrive? Can you attract new businesses into your neighborhood because you have a population that supports it? Um, and when you have a mix in housing, you you get those dynamics and some of the best neighborhoods, right? People travel to other cities to experience these kinds of neighborhoods. People travel to Europe to get to these kind of neighborhoods. People travel to some of the big cities in the States to get these kind of neighborhoods and they love visiting them um, for very good reason. They're vibrant. They're full of people and they're full of life. 
And I think that there is so much that we can offer Calgarians if we were to, if we were to welcome these neighborhoods, these kinds of neighborhoods and this kind of housing into our city. Well, with my business owner hat on, I mean, I, my business is located in an area that is resistant to change um, and to density. And as a small business owner, I can predict the outcome of all of this, which is that small businesses, which, um, you know, are the heart of the neighborhood to some degree, along with the residents will close um, because there needs to be a population that can support them. And in the face of other areas, fully embracing that densification because of the diversity it brings, the revenue, the people, the festivals, all of those different things. Um, you know, we it, it's it, what what will be left? You know, tumbleweeds. I, I like literally. Um, it's it's really frustrating to see because it doesn't mean twenty story tall buildings, right? It just means maybe like you know, maybe five or six, like it's just, it's, it's frustrating on so many levels. Um, but okay. So you're meeting on Thursday, Mm -hmm. you have a special meeting that's been called on Saturday, um, by the mayor, which is kind of extraordinary. I, I'm not sure it's not common for meetings to be held on Saturdays. I'm sure you're all going, there are going to be maybe a lot of comments around how you all wish you were doing something else. And that this isn't the best use of your time. I can only just foresee the that happening. Um, but what? So if it passes on Thursday mm-hmm. or doesn't, like, give me kind of like lay out the options. Yeah. So committee is sort of the the, the pre approving body of council. And so what I expect um, to happen Thursday. So the meeting will start on Thursday morning at nine thirty. Uh, there's over 125 people registered to speak at this time. So that will take us the majority of the day, if not the entire day, until um, about nine thirty at night on Thursday. There may be some speakers spill over until Friday morning. Um, Friday morning, we would resume with public speakers and then we would go to questions of administration um, and then likely some a few amendments um, for clarity that would be made um, to the housing policy. And then it would go after questions um, of administration and then amendments and debate, then you vote on it as, as committee. Um, if it passes, it moves forward to council on the Saturday. If it does not pass committee, then it it dies. Um, and I think there's some really important questions like what happens if it dies? What, you know, can you, t- will administration take some of those pieces and still do the work? I think yes. Um, but I think um, it also means that some of our best potential to address the crisis, um, which is exactly why a meeting got called on on Saturday, um, we lose those. We lose that potential. We lose the potential for all of those recommendations to work together in tandem towards creating that really sustainable future for for the city um, through housing. So if it if it doesn't pass committee, it dies. It dies. Yeah. Will you still end up meeting on Saturday? Um, the mayor could cancel that meeting because there would be nothing for us to ha- to have a discussion because it would be the only um, item on the agenda for Saturday. So no, then the meeting on Saturday would be would be canceled, uh, and that would be very interesting and it would be very disheartening. Um, I think uh, so. And and a couple things: one, there is not a recommend there is not a requirement for all council members to come to committee. Um, whereas there is a requirement for all council members to come to council. And so really, um, this, 
I believe it has uh, something of this magnitude shouldn't die on the floor of committee. It should come, it should come to council or it should come to council. Um, so I would encourage my colleagues, even maybe if they were to vote no on the final, to move it forward um, and let all of council make the decision. And not that really is not actually a decision of committee. Um, so that that is my that is my recommendation as, as chair. Um, but ultimately, everyone gets a vote that day. Um, and there is a democratic process that we need to respect in terms of that voting. So um, obviously, if it moves forward, that's great. Or moves forward, that's great. If it if it dies, um, what does that mean in terms of housing and questions of uh, questions and the, the actual very real need for affordable housing in the city of Calgary? Yeah. Um, so in terms of like actual like capital A affordable housing, um, I think some of the recommendations um, in there are. Um, are some things that we already have to some degree underway, but not the same importance on and not at the same impetus and speed. Um, so that's around like land sales, that's around having a housing fund. Uh, so those that, those become a little trickier. It's not impossible, but rather than approaching it strategically, it kind of happens sort of in a, in a haphazard manner. Um, and then in terms of market housing, then it just it sort of stays a status quo. Now, land use bylaw update will be coming regardless. Um, and so it's not impossible for the recommendation from RCG to come forward through that land use bylaw update anyways. Um, this though really clearly ties it to a, to a citywide strategy. Um, so uh, to me, you take it, you take it as a whole, uh, and you, and, and you move forward on all of the recommendations. And I, I, I do think though affordable housing would be like capital A affordable housing would be hampered without passing these recommendations. And just so you're just so we're clear in case anyone is wondering, when you say capital A affordable housing, what do you mean yeah. by that? Yeah, so capital A affordable housing um, to me is the housing that is provided by our nonprofit providers across the city um, for those who are requiring below market housing costs and and everything from deep subsidy um, for individuals who may be on age or disability to, um, um, to below market based on that is, um, benchmarks, um, according to your income. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really trying to remain optimistic, um, because I think everyone, uh, you know, more or less will say that, uh, the way that the politics of this are, are rolling out right now is that we all understand that there's an affordability crisis, that, that there's a housing crisis. Um, uh, what are we willing to do to address the issues rather than doing things that maintain, you know, more or less the same old kind of things um, versus maybe doing something that, you know, could be make, you know, Calgary a, an even more dynamic place um, and that also maybe this serves as a model for other municipalities um, awesome. looking for things to do. Yeah, absolutely. Other municipalities are looking and, and that's, and you know, that is sort of what is happening in the housing market generally is everyone's just nudging it a little bit further. And so this is Calgary nudging um, a little bit further. And this is us, you know, in many ways, getting ahead of the problem of the Toronto's and the Vancouver's. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting talking about politics. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to actually enter politics was to actually enable good policy. 
And that was one of the reasons the notice of motion came forward in spring of 2022 was to say, hey, we actually need to hear from policy experts on what the solutions are. And so now we've heard from the experts who've done a lot of research and said, this is the best policy. Um, and it would be a shame if politics actually got in the way of, of good policy. I agree. It wouldn't be the first time though, and it certainly won't be the last. Um, but, you know, I feel like this comes down to like, are you willing to back up the talk with actual action or is it just more talk? Yeah. So we'll see. People- I, I'll, I'll be really blunt. I think it's people asking themselves, you know, what keeps them up at night? Um, you know, is it the thought of, you know, will this, or, you know, will this get me elected in two years from now? Yes or no. Or will this uh, provide more roofs over people's heads in two years from now? And uh, well, I'm kind of yeah. on the ladder. I lose sleep over thinking about people not in homes. Um, what happens in two years from now? Um, you know what? That's not, that's uh, furthest from my brain. And I, would hope that others would be thinking the same. Well, and I think it's the calculations, right? Because someone's um, political ambitions, whatever they may be, like even if you're not running again in two years, um, you know, you're going to have a legacy, right? What is your legacy? Whether you run, lose, uh, win, uh, resign, like whatever it is, you're leaving behind a legacy. Are you leaving? Are you leaving it better than you left it? Yeah. Um, and I think that having more housing would be leaving it better than you left it, or at least a platform to create more housing would be better <laughs> than you left it. Um, I, I tend to, I tend to lean that way too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, we'll see Hi. the city will be paying a lot of attention this week to council, which I think is always a good thing when more eyes means, you know, yeah. more transparency, greater levels of accountability, more people being informed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm pretty sure you like that as well. <laughs> I think I think the more people that watch, the better and understand the process um, and learn and, and then also see ways to get involved. I think, you know, with 125 people coming out to speak, that is that is the public getting involved in in, in policy and in politics. And that's a good that's a good news story. A hundred percent. And, you know, it'll be uh, a long day or days for you. Um, but that is a really good point to end on, which is like, that is, you know, the process and that's de- very democratic in hearing people and people that are going to have very different opinions <laughs> and share them in a very different way. Um, but, you know, we're going to be better off because of it. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> I have a, uh, a a guest at home who's six, and he's whispering in my ear, and where he's he's mentioning that the walls are going up in the houses across the street, which is very exciting. Very cool to watch. It very is. They've cool done it pretty quickly, haven't they? I'm standing on the chair, and I saw. Oh, Um, did you hear that? No, I didn't catch all of it. Oh, uh, he's talking about the front pieces going up and then little pieces being put on the sides. Neat. Yeah, it's great for kids to see. So it's good to see. It's better than TV. Better than TV. Way better Better than than TV. TV. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Courtney. And we'll all be watching you and the rest of council this week. All right. Sounds good.